Christine, I have a morbid question to uh, kick off today's episode. Oh! How many people would you think show up to a normal funeral? Oh! Um, let's see. Probably like 40 to 50? I don't know. Well, I don't actually have an average stat for you, but I just wanted to see what you'd say. Well, in June 2002 in Brazil, over the span of two days, 3,000 people were said to have passed by the coffin of a beloved medium (gasps) named Chico Xavier. Every hour, 3,000 people were said to have passed by the coffin. Every hour. (gasps) The line to see him stretched for two and a half miles. Okay, I gotta say, that sounds pretty much like what I'm expecting at my funeral. I mean, but that shouldn't surprise anyone. Sounds like a lot of work for me to plan. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you've already taken on the mantle of planning it. No one else will. I'm the only Gemini you know, so... (laughs) Well, you know it goes both ways. So whoever goes first is gets to be out of that responsibility. Uh-huh. But wow, okay, I, I have never heard of this person and I feel kind of left out and I feel kind of silly because apparently I should know who this is. You're going to enjoy him. You're going to have a good time. everyone and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. And today we're talking about Chico Xavier. I have t- uh, no clue who this is. No clue. It's a real, real doozy of a story. I don't want to <laughs> ruin it for you, but like for once we get to like just be really excited to talk about someone instead of having to like... I don't know, rag, rag on them excited. a little bit. I mean, yeah, you are also okay. welcome to rag on them because the things I'm about to tell you are pretty unbelievable. So you might just think it's all BS. Or I might fall into the camp of M and believe yep. every word you say. That's where I am, <laughs> at least. So let's crack into it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. (laughs) 
So when we talk about Chico Xavier, you're going to hear about how a spirit was bothering him as a kid. Was there anything that bothered you as a kid that maybe you deal with now in everyday life, spiritually, non-spiritually? Oh, Lord. If the answer is me, I'm going to really lose my mind. (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting you until I was well past my childhood. Mm -hmm. But I would say... Everything bothered me as a child. I was extremely sensitive, and I even thought broccoli was too spicy. What is wrong with you? (laughs) You know, when it's raw and it's, like, kind of spicy? I was just extremely sensitive. I couldn't drink sparkling anything. I was, like, always overwhelmed by sensory stuff. Okay, here's a shorter list. What did you enjoy as a child? (laughs) I enjoyed reading. (laughs) That was spicy to my eyes. I actually didn't like that. And talking to my imaginary friends. I enjoyed being kind of alone or, you know, playing quiet puzzles. So I I was very bothered by a lot of things as a child. So I have found that in my adult years, I've really structured a life where I can, you know, be in solitude between, you know, outings and the fun things we do. I, I can be in solitude. But as far as like ghosty stuff, yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't think I was really perturbed by anybody specifically. Were you? Yeah, I well, uh, ghosty wise, I had one at my mom's house and one at my dad's house. They both the creepy one. I remember the, the creepy one. The creepy one is at my dad's house. That one, I'm t- I'm pretty sure that's the, like that was a full blown demon situation. It wasn't good. One time, I saw it in my bedroom, hovering over me, and it was a giant black cloud just floating and moving and breathing by itself. It was very terrifying. Mm-mm. It like Mm-mm. hats would fly off the rack and stuff. It was. Ugh, just thinking about it, I have goosebumps. Eey. Hated that guy. I think he was homophobic. I think that's what was happening there. Because I... Like, actually? hmm I had a wow. friend who uh, was, like, really sensitive to that stuff and, I guess, could see things. And she got the vibe that it was almost like maybe he was closeted from another time. And <gasps> I really rubbed him the wrong way. That was... Uh-oh. That was the vibe we were getting, I guess. And then there was one at my mom's house who still lives in my bedroom to this very day. And he's got really heavy boots. And so in the middle of the night, I would just hear boots walking up and down my bedroom. And neither of us liked each other. Yeah, there were times where he got a little too close at night. I would just feel him like right on my face staring at me. Yeah, a little too close, I would say. I would have to have a talk with him every now and then and be like, look, you don't like me. I don't like you. But, like, let's just, like, you stay over there and I stay over here and we call it a day. So he was just, like, a really annoying roommate. That's, like, a new sitcom idea, TM, TM, TM. I think I want to write that. It's, like, the opposite of Casper the Friendly Ghost. It was, like, just his uncle. Yeah, yeah. Casper the Annoying Roommate. Wow, so you, I'm over here talking about broccoli, and you're like, oh, no, I get it, Shiku. I had the exact same situation. Uh, If I had as good of a situation as he did, I think my life would be a little different today, but... So he ended up writing quite a few books, which we'll get into. But if you were to start writing any successful books beyond our already successful book, A Haunted Road Atlas, <laughs> oh, please go check who, it out. me? <laughs> if you were to start writing books and you did so with the help of ghosts, here's my question to you. Would you tell people about it? Would you tell people a ghost was ghostwriting or you were ghostwriting for a oh. ghost? Okay. Wow. This came out of, the, out of left field. I would say it depends on if the ghost was pressuring me to tell people if the ghost was like no it's fine i don't want to be in the limelight then i'm like i'll take the credit girl you're already dead like i you're not in the limelight (laughs) 
I don't know. I feel like if a ghost has the ability to to bother me if I don't give them the credit, then I guess I'll just admit it. They're the the creative brains behind this operation. I feel like if I were writing, because we've talked about that in previous episodes where yeah. I think like it was someone was writing for Mark Twain, allegedly, mm-hmm. or like using a Ouija board or seances to then write books on behalf of ghosts. Yeah. I feel like I would want to tell people for the novelty of like, oh, well, no one else is doing this. But mm-hmm. then I think, okay, well, those family members are going to come after me for royalties. Oh, so, but you're talking like a famous person. Because I'm just thinking some rando who lives in my basement as a ghost and is like, I have things to say. I mean, if it was a rando, I still I still think maybe their like, sister would come after me for royalties. I don't know. It could get dramatic pretty easily, I think. Yeah, my lawyers would probably have to get involved at that point. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. I don't know if I would tell anyone, but... Just so you're aware, Chico Xavier is a pretty much like a spiritual icon in Brazil. Mm. Francisco Candido Xavier, known fondly as Chico Xavier, was a Brazilian medium. So imagine him and Chip Coffee being buds, you know. He's considered one of the most influential people in Brazil in the 20th century and is a household name in the country, which immediately gives you a little peek into maybe culturally how spiritualism is seen compared to here because I don't I mean I think people who listen to us maybe Zach Bagans is a household name sure. but it's not a household name across the nation I would absolutely agree yeah this guy was a philanthropist and a spiritist leader known for writing I'm not kidding hundreds of books and letters mm-hmm. while he said he was in a trance Okay, interesting. So this is called psychography or automatic writing which okay. I, I know you know about. And we've talked about that on the show before. And there are some hairs being split when it comes to spiritism versus spiritualism, which I'll get into in a second uh, when we get to know Shiko a little more. I didn't think I even knew what spiritism was. I didn't even know that was a word. I think we're fairly spiritist, but I'll let you decide in a second. Okay, I was going to say, I'm not going to confirm or deny until I learn a little more. (laughs) Speaking for you publicly, openly, I would say you are fairly spiritist. Okay. I know I said I wasn't going to agree or whatever, but I I do because I trust you. You blindly follow. Oh, always. So Chico was born in 1910 and raised in a very poor Catholic family in a rural village in Brazil. And he was only four years old when he started complaining that there was a spirit bothering him. If Leona ever, ever, ever. What? what, You're going to, I would just walk away from her, I think. I'd be like, I gotta say, I would believe her. I feel like a lot of stories we hear, people don't get believed. That's why I would walk away. Yeah, you would walk away. I would, I would walk away and FaceTime you and say, you need to help me deal with this. This is your burden now as well. I'd be like, I know I'm babysitting her right now, but how do I get her away from me? Because I don't want this anymore. You'd be like, I locked her in a different room for a little while. I told her to go outside and play and then I locked the door and now please come home. (laughs) Please come home. So his father took him to the local priest who concluded that Chico was possessed by the devil. Yeah, that's a step I think neither you nor I would take in this scenario. Especially because that spirit I told you about in my mom's house that has like the heavy boots and really doesn't like me has been living in my room with me since I was four. And my mom never took it that seriously (laughs) as compared to this guy who's like, (laughs) okay, so we're going to take you to a priest and you're possessed by the devil. Yeah, that's a big... Big, big leap, I think. But you know what? I appreciate that the father took him seriously. How often does that happen in stories? That's true. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> Not being believed or 
being taken in for what I presume is an exorcism. I don't know. It's either 0% belief or 1,000% belief. Or you're the devil. Yeah. (laughs) So the priest told him to recite a thousand Hail Marys. Oh, my God. That's a lot of Hail Marys. I got to ask, Miss Catholic, what is a Hail Mary? How long is it? Really? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Okay, so That's one Hail Mary. I timed you, and that was a hot five Mississippis, and you were saying it pretty quickly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. So times a thousand. Okay, you figure out that math and oh. get back to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's directed at you folks. I'm certainly not doing the math, but maybe one of you will. But I will say, too, don't you think by the 10th Hail Mary, you've already, you're just saying words? Like, it can't mean anything at that point. You know yeah, there's mean? no way you're you're committing all of your energy into a thousand of those. Yeah. Plus, if you're possessed by the devil and that's all it takes. Yeah, it's not a very strong devil. Why are we worrying about demons? Yeah. Okay, so it gets odder. The priest told him to recite a thousand Hail Marys and walk in a procession carrying a 30-pound stone on his head. What? I don't know where in the Bible it says that ought to be the fix, but let's also remember this kid's four years old. <gasps> You're right. A 30-pound stone on my head sounds like a lot. On a four-year-old's oh, no. head, his, his neck is brand new. It's like a little toothpick, and he's got to carry 30 pounds on his head. I don't really know. I'm just thinking my baby at this point is like 20 pounds, and she's pretty damn heavy. I don't want her on my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 30 is a lot. Also, your baby is almost one, so just times the amount of time you've been with her by four. And imagine... <laughs> Like someone telling her she has to now like go walk around and say a thousand Hail Marys. I want you tell Leona to say a thousand Hail Marys. This poor baby. Uh, this poor little boy. So I think he went through with it and it didn't help. Oh. And the spirit wouldn't leave him alone. So now I guess they just think he's like I don't know if they think he's possessed anymore, or maybe they're just like, all right, well, apparently you've got something attached to you, and this is just how your life is. A stalker. A little spirit stalker. Yeah. So now, even though Shiko was bothered by a spirit, he was able to communicate with it. Okay, that's a good step in the right direction. I wonder if he could communicate with it if he could have said something from the beginning of like, I don't want to say a thousand Hail Marys. Can you please just go away? Yeah. Why don't we settle this outside of the church? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. like out, not notify the insurance, just like cash up front. You get it. Handle this. Yeah. So he can communicate with them. He realizes he can communicate with spirits. So according to a lecturer who spoke to the Spiritist Society of Virginia in 2013, the first sign of this came at just four years old when he shocked his parents by revealing that Yikes, the neighbor's abortion was actually due to an ectopic pregnancy. Wait, what? So that begs the question, how would a four-year-old know this about his neighbor? How would a four-year-old even know what an ectopic pregnancy is? (laughs) I feel like a skeptic could say, oh, the four-year-old was playing outside and heard the parents talking about it or something. But if we're talking about it in a spooky way, yeah, there's why would he even have that language and... Right, right. So that was kind of the thing that really set his parents on fire about this. So sadly, a year later, in 1915, she goes only five now and his mother dies. Oh, no. Oh, no. But he found comfort by talking to the spirit of his dead mother. Oh, this poor boy. He has gone through a lot in his first five years. Honestly. 
at least he can talk to his mom, which like if I had that skill set and people I loved passed away, like, of course mm-hmm. I'd use it. So Sure. I mean, we see that a lot in stories, even like Abraham Lincoln's wife, mm-hmm. Mary Todd Lincoln, and just like the comfort she got. But then you can get sucked into it, too. And yeah, I don't know. It's like a fine line, I feel like. Fine line. Coming up, Shiko became a famous author by taking the phrase ghostwriter literally. (laughs) We've always joked about that phrase, so I'm excited to see somebody actually use it literally. Behind every missing person is a story to be told. Look closely at the details and you may just find the answers. Find the answers, find the truth. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases, tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. From the tragedies of Amelia Earhart and Charles Lindbergh Jr., to the mysterious circumstances surrounding Tierra Williams and the Iguala mass kidnapping, each week on Disappearances, we're spotlighting the stories you thought you knew and the ones you'll be shocked to discover. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The truth is out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. By the time Chico Xavier was a teen, he had gone from being annoyed by his ability to talking to these spirits and embracing it as a comfort. Oh, okay. And as I mentioned before, he spoke to the spirit of his dead mother after she passed away when he was just five. Mm -hmm. And then when he was a teenager, some say that he actually claimed his mother's spirit directed him to read a book about a doctrine called spiritism. And this marked a turning point for him. Okay. That book was by French scholar and teacher Alan Kardec, and it introduced the beliefs of spiritism. And they include the notion that souls are immortal and unite people through different lifetimes, so reincarnation. Spiritists don't believe that there are spirits among us. They believe that we are all spirits. Oh. So maybe we're just living in the moment while others are their time's coming up soon. I don't know. That's so deep. (laughs) Profound. (laughs) Spiritists also believe you can communicate with spirits through seances and mediums. Okay. You were absolutely right. I'm loving this. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. Souls are immortal. We unite through different lifetimes. We can seance. I love it. We can seance. Yeah. I'm telling you, (laughs) I read it and I went, aha, so Christine and me. Check. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And with his ability to communicate with spirits, on top of all these spiritist beliefs, Chico then starts taking up automatic writing. Mm. 
Do you want to give anyone a little recap on how automatic writing works? Oh, geez. I feel like I always think I know and then I'm not great at describing it. But you're basically a vessel, right, for someone from the beyond, essentially, to write through you. And so you kind of meditate and people have different processes to get into it. But you're like writing on behalf of someone on the other side. Is Mm -hmm. that accurate? Homie, you're the one who took the class. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I took an automatic writing class. I've tried it myself, but just based on like one YouTube video, mm-hmm. I never actually learned too much about it. Gotcha. Well, there's archival footage showing Chico at work doing some automatic writing. This is according to a paper published in 2006 in the journal Explore. And in his right hand, he's holding a pencil over a sheet of paper. And in his left hand, he would cover his eyes. And after a few minutes of sitting in silence, he would start writing. (gasps) And someone else was like there to be his like the bat boy, I guess, and would (laughs) replace the sheets when they were full. So he would just keep writing and writing and some would just switch the sheets out. But I kind of love that. Within a few minutes, he would fill about 20 sheets of paper. Oh, my God. So he's got a lot to say. Or someone does. (laughs) Somebody does. (laughs) But Chico didn't just channel completely random spirits uh, when he wrote. His first book was actually published in 1932. And in it were 259 poems that were allegedly dictated by a bunch of dead Brazilian poets. I see. So this is where you were saying, you know, it's a little dicey if you're mm-hmm. having real names involved. Yes, 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 yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's the ghostwriter for ghosts in a, in a way. Uh-huh. I see. By the way, I don't like that there were only 259 poems when you could have just done one more for 260. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the book was such a hit that one of the poet's family members sued Ashiko for a cut of the money. <gasps> Which is what I said. I was afraid that would happen. That is exactly what you said. And I was like, oh, I don't know how that would happen. But yeah, here we go. Perfect example. Yep. And they ended up losing the suit, which I guess is nice to know that like my greatest fear would not be fully realized, but it would be threatened for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, if you ever think that you should write for a spirit, maybe keep it to yourself is the lesson I just learned. Yeah. Another spirit who was a constant writing partner for Chico was Andre Louise. Many spiritists believe Andre Louise was the pseudonym for a famous Brazilian doctor who left his physical body a few years before World War II, a.k.a. he is no longer with us. Whoa. What okay. a way to put it. Oh, Christine, you know, she left her physical body. Uh, yeah. But kind yeah, of that fun. I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I, I can see how that is more spiritist of like, oh, well... They're just now in a spiritual form existence. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, well, their astral form is still here, but their physical form is not. You get it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Sure. I feel like there's something kind of poetic in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, so Andre Luiz is said to be this famous Brazilian doctor that from beyond was uh, discussing mm. with Chico things to write up on. So throughout his life, Chico Xavier wrote more than 450 books. Oh! <gasps> Holy crap. Including novels, poetry, children's books, short stories, letters, scientific essays, and self-help books. And oh he wrote God. all of these like that. And Whoa. here's the thing, though. He only had a fourth grade education. So what? it only kind of further convinced people of like, how is this 
man writing 450 books on a fourth grade education. And also, how do you have 450 ideas? So uh, for me, the relentless believer in anything spooky, nobody could have that many ideas in their lifetime, let alone write 450 books. We wrote one book. I wrote half a book. You wrote the other half, and I'm so tired. The prospect of writing another one is so daunting. Yeah, and so for him to have written 450 books... Well, and I think you mentioned scientific essays, didn't you? Yes. Which, again, is like, you're writing children's books, scientific essays, poetry, and like this is all coming from a fourth grade education. You're right. That's pretty convincing. So it just feels like there's no way you would have 450 original things to write about in such little time, I guess, that it almost makes you think like, oh, there must have been just like a line of spirits (laughs) ready to say something. I mean, if you're the only person that can access their stories imagine the like three hour line oh my god on the other side to like just like get their stuff written down by someone get their children's book published finally that was their uh their unfinished business yeah so several people tried to prove that he was a fraud but no one succeeded i mean i don't really know how you could but they they tried how you could either yeah they tried to figure out what he what his game was and they couldn't figure it out Mm. so despite being successful with his writings chico seemingly wasn't in it for the money just like the cherry on top of the situation i was gonna say that's the other thing that usually convinces me when people kind of shun or turn away from like the the fame and money of the whole thing it's like hmm i understand from this perspective on its own why he ends up being an icon in Brazil, whether it's like for spiritual reasons or not, but just like as a good person. Because while doing his channeling and medium work, he continues to work a day job at the agriculture ministry, which I feel like that's a very sweet, wholesome job. It seems like it. He retired in 1958 and then lived off of his state pension. Oh, wow. And he donated all the proceeds from his books to charity or to fund spiritist work. Okay, so that's pretty incredible. Whether, I mean, even if he was faking it, like to donate all your proceeds to charity is still a pretty awesome thing. All your proceeds of 450 books. Like you could have done it for one book and had 449, you know? Yeah, yeah. And lived off his state pension. That's pretty incredible. And this is my personal favorite. He held weekly sessions where the public could come in the hopes of getting a letter from their deceased loved ones for free. (gasps) Oh! For free. Oh, so he would channel their loved ones. He just had free meetups where you could just get a letter from your loved one from him for free. (gasps) Wow. He produced an estimated 10,000 personal letters for people. (gasps) Does he have carpal tunnel? Because I feel like at that point you'd have to. Yeah, there there wasn't like talk to text then. Yikes. I maybe all 10,000 letters were just like, hi, mom. Like, <laughs> I heart you. <laughs> Put a sweater on, grandma. <laughs> so, obviously, any skeptic, Harry Houdini himself, would be like, the guy's just writing whatever he wants down and calling at your parents. Yeah. But, like, if you're spending 10,000 letters worth of time to do something for free, like, either you're incredibly bored or you, you really maybe believe in it. Or maybe he was doing it for, like, the fame. I don't know. There's something. He could have totally just been, had some ulterior motives. But I feel like money really could have been a 
a way into this, and he didn't keep any of it. An easy motivator. He did all 10,000 personal letters for free. Yeah, people would definitely have paid for that. So it does surprise me that he did it for free. And the letters would often, just because we were saying like, oh, maybe it says hi and that's it. The letters would often include what people said were intimate details that Chico could have (sighs) not known. Yeah. And he'd write in languages he couldn't speak. Okay. And he'd reportedly even write in the dead person's handwriting. Now this is where I go. I'm intrigued. And remember, he's got a fourth grade education. So if he's writing yes. big words, it may you know, in Greek might be someone else writing it in Greek. Right. All of this made Chico Xavier an icon in Brazil, obviously. Obviously, I don't blame them. I mean, I would consider him quite an icon as well if I had known him before now. Even if I were someone who like didn't believe this and thought they were tricks up his sleeve, I'd still be intrigued. Impressed or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd still at least be like, oh, wow, all you're donating all that money. Okay, respect. A good move. Like Chris Angel, if he just donated all of his money and like just lived off of a state pension, I'd be like, you know what? You can do whatever you want, Chris Angel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can write letters to anybody from anyone's grandma and... Uh, I'll believe it. ...support the local need. wildlife preserve or whatever your charity of choice is. Yep. So in 1971, a live interview with him brought in one of the largest TV audiences in Brazilian history. <gasps> and the broadcast was planned for one hour, but ended up going three hours. Oh, you know whoever was supposed to be on after that was pissed. Oh, yeah. But also imagine being, like, part of the live audience and, like, knowing that... I mean, he sounds nice enough that maybe he just gave everyone a free reading or something. Like, who knows what was going on. But a follow-up interview the next year was watched by 20 million people. (gasps) Wowza. He's a star. (sighs) I know. And Chico's powers were so widely recognized that his letters were even accepted as evidence in court cases. No way. Okay. That's next level. That's bananas. That's where, and that's why I drink accent because it's half, uh, Absolutely. half true crime, half spooky spooky. Mm-hmm. His home also became a pilgrimage site for hundreds of thousands of Brazilians and celebrities. <gasps> and millions even signed a petition for him to get the Nobel Peace Prize in both 81 and 82. I just got some little goosebumps. Goosebumps, goose cam. I'm, uh, I'm, wow, I'm taken by this person. Can you imagine just waking up every day being him and just being like, oh yeah, everyone no. loves me? <laughs> like, what? Must be nice. Must be nice, <laughs> my guy. He continued his spiritist work into his old age, and Chico Xavier died in 2002 at the age of 92. Oh, I'm so glad he lived such a long life. That's always nice to hear. It gets even sweeter because, according to The Guardian, Xavier had uh, prophesied that he would one day die on a day of celebration so that any grief would be lessened by national happiness. And on the day he died, the Brazilian football team won its fifth World Cup. No. Is that not bananas? Talk about the biggest, like, day of celebration in Brazil would be the day they win the World Cup again. I mean, that's powerful stuff. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Especially for him to try to, like, soften the blow for people of, like, I know I'm loved, so when I die, I'm going to make sure it's not a day where, like, everyone's happy. It's incredibly touching. And that's, I will say also, that's something you can't just predict as far as, like, looking at a calendar. Like, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to die on uh, Christmas Day, and you know exactly when that is. Like, he didn't know. Yeah. I mean, he clearly did know, but, like, not everyone would just know that this celebration was coming. But also, you know what's super creepy? 
what if he knew that all the way down to the day and like you just like know there's a countdown oh god i sure hope not i hope not but he did seem to know enough about it that it would make me wonder maybe when he was 92 he was like he was aware and ready any day now Uh, yeah Yeah. Up next, how the work of Chico Xavier continues to shape life in Brazil to this day. I can't wait to hear about this. I feel like I'm learning a whole new element of Brazilian culture. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Chico Xavier brought comfort to millions of people and his legacy endures in Brazil. And at least 50, I'm not kidding, million copies of his book have been sold and have been translated into more than 10 languages. So he's got that global impact showing. Your global impact is showing. Hey, girl. (laughs) And in 2010, the Brazilian post office issued a special stamp to mark what would have been his 100th birthday. Oh, that's nice. He was just so loved. And one of his most popular books was written by the spirit of Andre Louise, who I mentioned earlier, and it was made Mm. into a movie in 2010. No way. Wow. In 2006, a magazine asked its readers to vote for the greatest Brazilian in history, and he won it with nearly double the votes received by the runner-up. Oh, my God. And in 2012, he won a similar TV competition to name the greatest Brazilian of all time. This man was loved, loved, loved. I feel so silly that I didn't know about him before. Me too. In 2015, there was a report stating that Brazil had by far the largest spiritist population in the world, and some (sighs) unofficial estimates are as large as 20 million. Whoa. And I would not be surprised if he was a big influence for that. Sure. It sounds like he influenced a lot of people. Spiritism has become fully ingrained in Brazilian pop culture. And you can find Spiritist magazines and newspapers and most newsstands and mediums appear regularly on the most popular TV shows. Even Brazilian telenovelas incorporate Spiritist themes. How cool is that? That immediately just tells me that their telenovelas are better than anything I've seen because if like reincarnation and spirits and all that are involved, that's are a new element. Yeah. That's a soap opera I need. <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, that's basically Chico Xavier. I am just so excited about this guy. Have you looked him up? I just pulled up a picture of him. No, is his toupee shiny? Um, it is shiny. Ooh, yep. fun. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he just seems so loved. And I want to be hesitant because I feel like I want to be aware of the fact that like if this were someone else with like a, a different belief system, maybe I would think they were I'd be more hesitant to blindly believe that everything they're doing is sure. legitimate. But I think for me, I don't even really care if what they're doing is real or not just because all of the intentions seem so pure it looks like there's pure exactly like good intentions and it looks like he brought a lot of peace to people which is i think a very powerful thing and i mean he clearly didn't 
profit personally. That's what I'm saying. I feel like with good yeah. intentions, like if he were helping thousands of people and doing three hour interviews on TV, I'd be like, this guy's doing it for the fame and the money. But I mean, it seems like he didn't save a dollar of it for himself. And he was doing like free 10,000 personal message writings and all that. Like, it feels like it's more wholesome than it could be. Yeah. And it feels like people embraced him, too. It feels like he was not seen as like a a woo-woo out there type of person. Like people mm-hmm. just took this at face value and really embraced it, which is kind of cool. What does it say for you about Brazilian culture and spirituality that he wasn't viewed immediately as like a, a, mm. a crock? Yeah, I wonder. I feel like things might be different in our culture, mm-hmm. just in the U.S., just because I think people are perhaps more skeptical of that side of things. But I don't know. It's hard to say, really. I just think they were clearly very open-minded and accepting of of him and embraced him, yeah. which is pretty cool. I feel the same way. I feel like in the U.S., maybe he would have gotten a TV show and mm-hmm. half of the audience would watch him to try to prove how he was doing. Like Penn and Teller would watch just to try yeah, to call him yeah. out. I feel like we're a little more like you know, what's in it for him or why is he up up to this versus I feel like in Brazil, they were just like, oh, he's just trying to be helpful. And we're going to take him up on his offer yeah. and talk to my grandma. Do you think he would have been taken seriously or been considered a, an icon here? I feel like he would have kind of gotten washed away. I feel like if he was doing it for no money or no fame, then he might not have like been built up or something that's a great point i feel like all the people we've already recognized as like spiritual icons in the u.s are on tv are on Mm -hmm. but i guess he you know had his time on on air and he had his time um writing books and so maybe he would have been kind of on the same level as these other like teresa caputo and all these folks who do have tv shows yeah it's hard to say i wonder if we would feel differently if our if our u.s medium rock stars or whatever if they all also did it for no money you know i feel like maybe he'd be on a a more even playing ground but i feel like he was doing it to impact the community and i don't know of anyone here who would i almost think that in the u.s we'd be even more skeptical if someone like wasn't taking any money for it we'd be like what are you trying to prove here like i don't know there's part of our culture i think that's so capitalist yeah in our broken system you must need money (laughs) it's just like why are what are you trying to prove do you think you're better than us i don't know i just think there would be definitely like an element of like suspicion if somebody just said nope i don't want any money i'm doing it all for free i think we'd be cautious about that in the u.s i feel like in this moment it's the first time i'm realizing that capitalism has ruined us in even more ways than i was aware of even like mediums can't can't do well oh yeah i mean it makes sense but in in this situation of like oh i'd be i'd be skeptical of someone just because like obviously you would want the money well to me it's like anybody and not to go on this soapbox but to anybody in a creative field who gets Mm -hmm. paid and there's that element of like okay we got to make a living and so you know, people obviously get paid, but then there is that other side of the coin of, oh, well, you're doing creative work. I don't want to pay so yep. much money for that. There's a lot of um, a lot of problems there. Anyway, that's the nope. understatement of the century. But <laughs> I'm happy to have you on that soapbox forever. <laughs> it's just wild to think that, like, I, I wonder if our economy were different, would he be seen differently here? 
Right. And I'll add, like, I don't know much about Brazilian culture, so I feel like I can't really say, like, oh, what the difference is between there and here, because right. I don't really know what what their system is like and what their cultural beliefs are like, especially since this took place like a few decades ago, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I kind of wish I had known about him sooner, though. I feel like he seems like a cool guy. Me too. And I've, I feel like that's also where I wonder if he lived here or tried to work here if he would just kind of get washed away with the tide because I it's like how did I not hear about him Mm, yeah I wonder if it just didn't hit us in the same way a nice wholesome person trying in my mind he's trying to do good for all I know he was like grifting everyone but it doesn't seem like the entire nation of Brazil thinks that yeah so um interesting it's very cool I feel like we rarely get stories where at the end we're like what a cool guy. Especially when it's a the man. End. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I love him. <laughs> he seems like a special, special person. So I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm getting golden retriever energy from him. So, <laughs> But like really smart, like can also yeah. speak Greek and all that other stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also went to fourth grade, which for a golden retriever is pretty impressive. It's like Air Bud, the sequel or something. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Boston Review, The Guardian, The Spiritist Network, United States Spiritist Federation. Explore the Journal of Science and Healing's original research titled Investigating the Fit and Accuracy of Alleged Mediumistic Writing, a Case Study of Chico Xavier's Letters and Brazil.com. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at VM Schultz. And you can find me at XT Schiefer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo, with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Research by Chelsea Wood. Fact-checking by Lori Siegel. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. Hi, listeners. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades-long disappearance. Now, every Thursday, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify.